Imagine you're about to walk into a baseball stadium in Savannah, Georgia. The weather is perfect for the game. Several things strike you immediately as you enter. This is not what you were expecting. And it's way better. The music is wild. The players are doing a coordinated dance on the field. The first baseman is on stilts, and the umpire looks to be twerking behind home plate. Your friend who invited you says, this isn't baseball, man. This is banana ball. What the heck is banana ball, you wonder? But before you can finish that thought, a guy with a yellow tux and a mic pops out of nowhere, giving high fives to every fan he can reach. That's the owner, your buddy says. He's the guy responsible for the greatest show in sports. Welcome to the Impact of Leadership podcast, where we believe that no one drifts into excellence. I'm your host, Steve Shear, and today's episode is going to set your year off right. Jesse is the founder of Fans First Entertainment, who owns and operates the Savannah Bananas. The Bananas have welcomed more than 1 million fans to their ballpark and have been featured on MSNBC, CBS Sunday Morning, Access Hollywood, HBO, Real Sports, CNN, and ESPN, and probably every other social media platform that, that you could think of. The Savannah Bananas currently have sold out every game since the first season and have a wait list for tickets that's over 90,000. Cole is an in-demand speaker and author of Find Your Yellow Tux, How to Be Successful by Standing Out, and Fans First, Change the Game, Break the Rules, and Create an Unforgettable Experience. He believes to be successful, you need to stand out and be different. He releases blogs, videos regularly on LinkedIn. I love following him. You should as well. You should follow him is what I mean. He's passionate. You're going to get that like four seconds into this thing. Um, He loves creating attention for a purpose, loving your customers or loving his customers, loving your customers more than the product itself and loving your employees more than your customers in that order. Cole's mantra is whatever is normal, do the exact opposite. Now, I took him at his word. And so before we jump into the interview, you're going to hear him reference a purple bunny suit. Now, I showed up in my purple bunny suit for the interview with him, and we were doing video as a surprise because I see him as the man who's known for fun surprises. So I wanted to surprise him, and he loved it. But enough from me. Let's jump into the conversation with Jesse Cole. To me, a great leader is someone who inspires to take action to be the best version of themselves. You know, as I'm looking right ahead of me right now, I've got hundreds of books. And, you know, I, I don't think it's very interesting when people say, you know, you're a born leader. You know, I think uh, it, when, when, you're, when you're born, you, know, you develop role models, whether it's your parents, whether it's coaches, whether it's teachers, whether it's friends, whether it's peers. For me, you know, my dad was my biggest role model uh, growing up. He's my hero. I was an only child. My parents were divorced. My dad, you know, really raised me. And then when I got into professional world, I had no idea what I was doing. I was on a failing baseball team, couldn't pay myself. And I read every book by Walt Disney and P.T. Barnum and some of the greatest leaders of our time. And that inspired me. So, you know, I I think you you learn to be a great leader um, by learning from others and then taking action yourself. And so how did I develop that, that definition of leadership? You know, I learned from Walt Disney. One of his biggest things was vision. And it's kind of fun to do the impossible. And he cast a vision of not what you're doing uh, right now, but where are you going and what that impact's going to be. And it was never about dollars, revenue, profits. 
It was about making a bigger difference in the world. And so I try to model that. And those people that are part of that, they do their greatest work when they have a great leader. They are the best version of themselves. And I believe everyone has something that makes them the best version of themselves. So that's how I define and, and how I kind of found my level of leadership. I have said multiple times to, to people that I manage or um, folks that are around me, even even the guy that I just was having lunch with not too long ago, that I don't believe anybody gets there by themselves. So to hear you say that totally makes sense. We're influenced by our surroundings and those that have gone before us. And it's up to us to take action, as you've already said several times. So I uh, want to jump into the deep end a little bit here on some of that origin story, but in a in maybe a different roundabout way that would get us there. So what don't people understand uh, when they see the success of the Savannah Bananas now, what don't they understand about what it took for you, for you all to get there? <laughs> You'll probably hear this as a common theme with people that are seen to be successful. And again, successful to me is is everyone's definition is different. You know, people look at success in a different way. Uh, you know, for me, I always think of success as you know freedom and fulfillment. Are you doing what you want? Uh, and when you want it, and it's giving you real purpose. And it's not about, again, dollars, revenue, how many houses, any of that. It's about, are you enjoying what you're doing? And so uh, people have seen our success because of our following now, you know, over 5 million social media followers. And uh, it's crazy what's happening with every game selling out. But yeah, what, what people don't know is, is everyone sees us as a, such an overnight success. Like I just started hearing about the bananas, you know, they have the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, they have the ESPN show. They have all this, they're all covered on everybody, HBO sports, today show, CBS, all that, man, it's 15 plus years. And seven years ago, my wife and I were sleeping on an airbed and we had to sell our house and we had to empty out our savings account. And we were grocery shopping with just $30 for a week. That was all the money we had for food, $30. When, if you look at the amount of meals, were less than a dollar per meal. I mean, it was brutal. And it was the showing up and the showing up and the learning and taking action and showing up when people didn't believe in you and believing in yourself. And so I think that's one of the misconceptions. They look at the bananas, oh, they just ca captured lightning in a bottle. No, we tested, tried and grinded and worked and, and kept showing up every day when it was hard. That has helped us build what we are now. And to be honest with you, we're still in the first inning. We're not even close to we're in the first inning. So I think it's comical. You know, I mean, last year, you know, we had, you know, less than 1 million followers and we weren't seeing that much and we were selling out games, but we weren't doing a world tour. And now to be talking to major league teams and looking at playing all over the world, I mean, that's just in one year, where are we going to be in two years? And so that's, it's, it's uh, really, we're just blown away by what's happened. So, you know, I know you said 15 years, uh, but, but where does the Savannah Bananas fall within the hierarchy of baseball? And then also, uh, do, does that 15 years mean that 15 years since you launched the team or 15 years that the dream has been alive? Like, help us know that. Yeah. Uh, in regards to the Bananas, right now we're in a league of our own. Um, I always pride myself for great leaders, great businesses. They know what makes them different and they go all in on that. And not how can you be a little better, a little bit faster, a little bit cheaper. How can you be the only? And so for the Bananas launched in 2015. In 2007, I started with another collegiate summer team. So to get your context, we were college summer baseball. The team I started it, uh, that I was with in Gastonia, North Carolina, and then the Savannah Bananas was an expansion team, college summer baseball. So major league, then you have triple A, double A, high A, rookie ball, independent ball, top level college, and then you had us on kind of the bottom level. But after uh, we were in it for six years, uh, won the championship three of the six years, the last two, and then we said we're going all in on banana ball. So now we tour all over the country, 
play 90 plus games and we're playing this new game that we invented that we believe is the fastest, most exciting game of baseball there is. And so now we're literally in a league of our own where we play different opponents. We play our, our other team. And so that's where we are now. You're expected to keep going no matter what. And sometimes that means when you have no idea what to do, you still have to keep moving forward. But how? Well, we've got your back. On February 9th, we're having an event that focuses specifically on how to keep moving forward when you're not sure what to do next. The guest speaker is Todd Bolsinger, and it's being held at the University of Wisconsin Parkside campus. The title is Resilient Leadership Leading in Uncharted Territory. It's only $29 for in-person and $19 for virtual. In person, you'll get a copy of Todd's book, Tempered Resilience, and an opportunity to ask Todd questions live. Now, Todd Bolsinger has been one of my favorite guests out of over 130 episodes that we've done. Content-rich and practical application. You will love this event, and it's well worth your time and money. A link for more info and to register is in the show notes. And if you come, give me a high five when you see me at the event. Now, back to Jesse. You touched on it before, but if we could talk specifically a little bit about fails, uh, because I, I agree with you. I don't believe an overnight success exists unless you're like Justin Bieber or something. <laughs> I don't know. Outside of that guy, maybe. Well, no, but, no. Go back. To, this is good for your, your listeners. Go back and look at Justin Bieber's first videos on YouTube, playing the drums and doing music when he was like 10 years old. So again, he was putting out content and playing music well before he was even known. That's great. That's that's a good pull. That's a great call out too, because what we think of as Usher and everything. Right. Yeah. Good. So you've had, you've had tons of what people would see as success or trending YouTube videos or whatever. I mean, I posted one and, and it, it was so funny and, and, but, it, but, but the, there's more to it than that because you, those are the ones that people talk about, but you have to, I would assume, try a whole bunch of things with a great team of people that are willing to go before knowing for sure. So if you could talk about fails a little bit and then obviously what was, what was learned along the way. Yeah. Well, first of all, I struggle with the, the word failure and fails. Um, I think as kids, you know, we're trained, we get that big red F on the, on our, on our, you know, paper or our test. And it, and it scares us of failure. And we look at, you're a failure. It's one of the most negative words there is. And so we're very intentional with words, with the bananas. We don't have managers on our, on our team. There's not a manager. There's not a general manager because we believe people don't want to be managed. They want to be led. So, you know, we don't have training. Dogs are trained. Humans are coached and taught and educated. So we're very intentional on language. So we don't even talk about failure. Do we do things that don't go as planned? hundred percent. But when you ask questions, if you ask this to some of the greatest, quote unquote, innovators, pioneers, leaders, we go back and Henry Ford and Walt Disney and Bezos and Jobs, I don't know if they would actually talk about failures because the greatest innovators and leaders are so focused on what's next. They just move on. The Amazon Fire Phone was a $170 million failure, the Fire Phone by Amazon. But the technology in that helped build Alexa. So is that really a failure or was that one big step towards a success? So, so when, yes, have we had <laughs> flatulence fun nights and salute to underwear nights and toilet paper madness and uh, promotions like the living pinata and the horse head race and the halftime show in a baseball game, which you should never do that failed miserably. We've had all of those. Every night we do between 10 to 15 things we've never done before in front of a live crowd. Nine to 12 of them don't work out well, but no one knows because we're up to our next at bat. I mean, we had tap of the morning beer festival 
a beer festival starting at 9 a.m. because you can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning. 94 people showed up. It was a failure in all, you know, big terms, but those 94 people had the time of their life, I'll tell you that. So so the reality is I just, I, you know, people always love to talk about that, but, you know, what I'm interested in is what are those things that you have learned? What are those discoveries? What are the biggest discoveries you've made over the last year, two years, five years? Because if you're not making a lot of discoveries, then you're not trying enough. You're not experimenting enough. But let's change the language. You talk about failures. You're going to have your team, yourself. You're not going to want to do things that are new and hard and that you've never done before because of that big F that you could get if you don't. This is a auto, maybe left field, no pun intended, but I just was thinking with, with your kids at home. How do you talk to your kids about, if it's not failure, how do you reframe that for your kids as they're growing up? I've got four kids of my own, which is why I'm asking as well. Yeah. What age, what age are your kids? So 11, nine, seven, and five. Well, I should be asking you the questions because based on experience, <laughs> I have two four-year-olds and a baby. And, and so, you know, we go by the whale done approach as much as anything. And as hard as it is, because when our baby just keeps going up to the electrical outlet and keeps wanting to touch it, it keeps wanting to pull wires. It's very easy. No, 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 no. Um, but what, you know, we had a big, big moment just three days ago. Um, she started walking. And it was two steps. And we all, you know, that probably for all four of your kids, it's a special moment. And what we did, like probably any parent is we, we, we were proud, but we were over the top. Yay, Addie. Woo! Like it was like she won the World Series. So what did she do? She got up and she did it again. Then she got up and she did it again because she hadn't seen our overall excitement to something like that. And so she kept, I think that is what we try to teach. So our, our uh, middle daughter who couldn't join us when we were two and a half years, when she was two and a half years old. And she came to us and gashes on her head. She only had two words. I mean, it was a terrible situation she came from. And she just got a report from preschool. And her teacher, who's been teacher for 25 years, said she was the best mannered girl she's ever had. The best manner she's ever had. And as a parent, that makes you proud. But I remember what we do is every time that she says, can I have this? We say manners. And then when she says manners, good job, Ken, good job. And we say her name and we repeat it over and over again. So for us, it's more of the prompting what's done right as it is to really focusing on everything that's done wrong. That's good. That's good. So I'll tell you something that I stole from Sarah Blakely when she was growing up, her dad would get the kids around the table and say, okay, who failed today? And I agree with you. Language does matter. And that's going to stick with me after this interview as well of reframing the word failure because I don't want that to be scary. But she, but her she talked about her dad in a way of who failed today so that it's not a scary thing because what did you learn, right? Yeah, change it. Yeah. Another it question. And, and instead of when your kids go home, what did you learn today? What can you teach me today? Because, you know, again, learning is, oh, we learned the letter A, we learned the letter F, we learned multiplication. Teach. Teaching is how you learn more than anything. You know, for me, the opportunity these podcasts, and I've probably been on a thousand and get interviews, it, it, all these questions help me reframe, you know, the way to communicate and to clarify. And so speaking, so, hey, what, what can you teach me from, from today? And so just those questions, I think, are important. But I think I love what Sarah Blakely's father did um, because it got them to make that as a normal conversation. And if you don't have a good answer, well, did you try anything new? Because the first time a kid rides a bike, the first time they do a sport, the first time they do anything, it's not going to go well. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I think that's what she would say is that the the reframing of that word failure ended up being the only time you really fail is if you're not trying stuff. 
All right, you heard a commercial earlier in the episode about the Resilient Leadership event coming up on February 9th. The reason we're able to bring this event with packed with value for such an inexpensive price is because of our sponsors, one of which is Heartland Produce. Heartland Produce, they take produce and service seriously. They've grown their business by partnering with the best shippers in the industry to offer their customers the best labels and product available anywhere. They believe that service is not just having product on hand, but delivering it with the quality and consistency that their customers expect. Heartland Produce is a family-owned business whose owners are not just third and fourth generation members. They are actively involved in the business at all operational levels. Over the course of time, they've incorporated almost every value-added product imaginable to complete their vision as a full-service produce provider. Everything that you need to complete your produce department is available from Heartland Produce. Go to heartlandproduce.com to learn more. Thank you so much, Heartland Produce, for supporting the vision of the impact of leadership. Now, back to Jesse. Um, so tell you've already talked about it, but tell us about fun specifically. So like what role does fun it's easy again, it's easy to, to judge you all in a positive way from the outside that every day is just fun. And maybe maybe the majority of the days are, but there's got to be there's a ton of work that goes into it. So tell us about fun specifically when it comes to your leadership style. Like what role does fun play in your leadership style as you're leading your team? I'm wearing a yellow tuxedo, you know, even on this interview, and I, I wear it all the time. You know, I think it's important if fun is a, a key component of your culture, your DNA of your company. And for us, since day one on our website, it said we exist, or said we make baseball fun. And that's why we exist to make baseball fun. So you can't say you're going to make baseball fun and not actually have fun with your staff. So I think for us, it comes from the top down. And myself, as the owner of the team, if I am dressed in a full normal suit in the owner's box every night watching and then talking to the coach when something goes wrong, that's not fun. But if I'm the one that's willing to run through the crowd every game and throw Dolce and banana underwear into the crowd, which I do, then why can't the rest of you, everyone else, if that's our owner doing that, why can't we do it? And you've seen this probably as a, as a parent with your kids. It's not necessarily what you say. They watch what you do and they act on how you do. So if I'm the first one greeting the fans and high-fiving, if I'm dancing on the dugouts every night, if I'm the one laughing hysterically over our umpire doing this crazy twerk strikeout call in the middle of the game, people will see that and they observe. And so I think, uh, you know, fun starts from the top. And then for us, I heard one uh, author who was uh, watching one of our games, Mark Sandburn, he wrote the book Fred Factor and, and great author. And he was watching one of our games and he goes, ah, he went after the dragon. And I go, what are you talking about? And he goes, uh, he goes, the players, he goes, the players. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, the players are out there dancing every night. They're celebrating when they score. They're doing crazy over the top celebrations and they're having fun because everyone's watching the players that cascades down to the ushers, the people serving hot dogs, the game day staff, the interns. If the players aren't having fun, if the coach isn't having fun, if the owners aren't having fun, good luck to the rest of the staff. So it starts at the top and then you you surround yourself with people that you want to go to, you know, go to get barbecue with or you want to grab a beer with or you want to like we hire people that we want to hang out with. And so if you look at our staff, they're all in like bowling leagues and softball leagues. And they like literally we give them time off two weeks in Christmas. They spend the time with them themselves, like as much as they can, until they go with their family. And I think that's that's a culture of fun. So we uh, pride ourselves on having fun, in a sense. But we do, we say it. Uh, we don't have. We're not to the point yet of having our IT folks uh, on the CCB technology side twerking and stuff when they when they you know stop a, somebody from a cyber attack. But 
we we do like to have fun because we found that, and I know that I've seen this with you all as well. It's a way to connect with people. It it lowers it lowers walls. It lowers the stigma of is this okay to laugh at? Is this okay to look silly? Am I going to look silly if I'm the only one laughing? When everybody else is laughing first, then uh, you're you're safe. And I love that about you guys. So I'll, I'll jump on that. So so think about uh, so someone's first day on the company. And again, I know there's remote companies coming together. When we're together, as soon as someone joins us that first day, everyone on our staff is in full costume. So we're lucky we're a baseball team and I'm talking to you in a costume right now, but we have everyone's in full costume. And then we greet people. It's really weird. We throw these soft baseballs and soft bananas. So they're coming in and we're just like pelting them with like weird fake snowballs. So they're walking in like, what is this? We used to use silly string, but then it like got into people's clothes. And that was our, our director of tickets said, yeah, my clothes were ruined, but I'll never forget that first day. So we learned pretty well on that, but you come in there and then all of a sudden that we have a celebration at the end of the day, we put your name up on the, on the wall and we have cheers and, and you set the tone from the beginning. And I think anybody, whenever you're going to have a meeting and you're, you're, you know, obviously you get this, if you're going to have a meeting and you get right into serious, the creativity is it opened up. So what we try to do is bring out some, uh, you know, we look at ways, uh, our, our president, who is one of the most serious people in the world, like he's actually very, very serious, but he opens um, our staff chats with, he finds a ridiculous lyric from a song, like a rap song potentially. And it has some relevance to what we're going to talk about, but he reads it. I just have a poem to start this meeting with. And it's, you know, from like literally Kid Rock or Jay-Z or something. And he's reading it like, like, and it's very comical, you know, cause it's coming from him. That That's how you set the tone. Yeah. The most deadpan uh, voice, but it comes across as hilarious. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's Friday, Friday. Everyone get down with Friday. Like, like literally like Rebecca Black. So we actually used to, that's funny. That's a callback to about four or five years ago. We had a, we had a, a team member that would play that. He would send that YouTube video on Fridays and it just like annoyed people, but then it becomes like funny as heck after you do it enough. You, you mentioned it and it segues right into something that I really wanted to touch on was how do you structure team meetings? So I know that it can't always be balloon and confetti and things like that. I know that can help and that can be advantageous with brainstorming, but how do you structure your team meetings? Usually we have rings of fire, then cryogenics, uh, <laughs> then have, uh, champagne celebrations. Uh, no, no, it's funny. Our director of entertainment's all, he's like, Jesse, you know what I'm working on right now? I think I'm going to be able to light the mound on fire during games this year. <laughs> what? Let's spend the time on that. And uh, and we're working on getting guys skydiving to their positions and bringing the bowl from the bullpen and guys riding bowls from the bullpen. So these are the things we think about. Uh, we don't know how much we can do. I want a ball monkey too, a, mon- a monkey that delivers baseballs to the umpire and climbs up them. We got a lot of ideas, but uh, structuring meetings, I'm not the best at that. Um, there's one meeting that I'm really a part of every week. And which is interesting. I mean, we've been able to fortunately um, delegate with a great team, but the one meeting I'm part of is OTT. And that's the over the top ideas. So every Monday we come up with, uh, we have five people in the meeting and that's a good, that's a good number. I think I learned that from Bezos to have a two pizza meeting. You know, if you, if you have to have, uh, you know, more people than you can eat two pizzas, there's too many ideas, too many things thrown out and people are afraid to jump in. So, uh, so we have our OTT meeting and that whole meeting is about coming up with creative fun ideas. So literally we, we bounce around from each person, each person. Um, the way Jared runs meetings and it's very productive, you know, again, there's 
a set agenda of what we're going to accomplish. And meetings, what we do is if you think you need an hour, we make it 30 minutes. If you think you need 30 minutes, you make it 15 minutes. So he's studied the concept of meetings. But, you know, I, I think the reality is if you're working on, if you're working on something, important work, work that makes a difference. Um, meetings can be very successful and productive. They don't always need to be laughed, but if you're working on the right work, but you can tell right as soon as someone comes in with the energy level that they're walking in. And for me, the doors, every time I walk in a door, I tell myself, bring the fun, bring the energy. So any door that I walk into a new room, I have a trigger, which helps me. Um, it's something we could teach people that come into a meeting. How are you showing up? And the goal of every meeting I tell Jared and our whole staff is want people to walk out of that meeting fired up about what they get to work on and what they get to do. And if you don't think of your whole meeting agenda, the way you're setting out, are people going to be fired up at the end of this meeting? Then you need to maybe tailor it to get people to walk out, not tired, not exhausted, not looking, oh, I got to do this. I got to do this. But thinking, I get to do this. Let's Mm -hmm. go. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I'm hearing from you, Jesse, also is at one point you and your wife were doing everything, everything. Um, and then you work to a point when you can hire people around that maybe have a skill set that's a little bit different than yours, personality set that's a little bit different than yours in order to expand and grow. So that's one thing I'm extrapolating from what you just said. Now, is is Jared, is he the president? Is that who? Yeah. Yeah. That's so, his role? Yeah. He's, okay. he's, I'm the visionary. He's the integrator. So uh, yeah, he's the EOS the, stuff. Yeah. yeah. So he's on the, he's on the business side, pays attention to the financials. I pay, I'm on the whole creative side. So I am on the more of the fun side, but he, he's an, he's an Enneagram one. So he's very focused on doing things the right way, focused on there. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, I heard this once, I don't know if this number is right, but you need to be okay with people doing things 80% up to your level in the beginning. And, you know, you want to do everything 100%. And the best thing we can do is I've tried to translate this into our creative team. On the important video projects that we do, I will literally nitpick every single clip. Like if you watch the greatest show in sports, Banana Ball, um, it's the, we put this out probably three months ago. It's a two and a half minute video. I think me and Yvonne, our, direct, our creative director, went back and forth nine times. He'd send me it, then I'd send it in, then i do it. And so he understands now, hey, nope, look, there's two empty seats in that video clip over there. Oh, nope, you can see the tarp on that side of that shot. Oh, she's our face is not that banana nana. Those two are great, but her face isn't smiling as much. Find one where all three of them are smiling. And so when you show that focus on that attention to detail, then all of a sudden he knows when he's showing another video, is he proud of it? Does it have that attention to detail? So it's the things you focus on with your team to show how you act that that helps me delegate now that I know Yvonne, when he sends me a video, it's going to be about 95% there now. Yeah. Yeah. So you're transferring uh, your skill set to somebody else to expand it so that you don't have to spend time on the thing. And that is the stuff that I'm talking about. I did watch that video. I do know what video you're talking about. Um, it was fantastic. But all of that work behind the scenes to get to two and a half minutes to deliver, there's a lot of detail and work and intentionality that goes into delivering something that is fun and an in your face and, and you know, really magnetic. Um, The challenge is so many leaders are focused on so many meetings on, again, driving the business, driving the business, driving the business, and they don't leave enough time for them for creativity. And what I believe that the most successful businesses in the next 10, 20, 100 years are going to be the most creative businesses, the businesses that have the most ideas, not necessarily execute the most ideas, but utilize ideas that go within their flywheel, what they are the best in the world at. And so I spend most of my time on ideas. 
Because if, if I'm focused on all this, all right, I got to move this from this meeting. We got to change this. We got to adjust this copy. We got to do this and not focusing on those ideas. Then our company isn't really going to where we have the opportunity to go. And so I challenge, you know, most leaders, are you spending time daily to work on ideas uh, for your company and ideas of what you can be the best at? And for us, our flywheel starts with our live shows and creating content from our live shows. So we got to create the greatest show in sports every day. I got to come up with ideas to do that ideas to really innovate there. And if I'm spending time there, that drives our live content, which drives our traffic, which drives uh, more demand from our fans, which then forces us to have more live shows, which we've already had to add 10, 15 live shows this year because we're not in a Taylor Swift situation, but we're, we're getting there. I don't know that, so you're on your way. Yeah, so, um, there's, there's two things. One popped up that I hadn't thought about before. And the other one is uh, to, to close it out too, because I want to respect your time. The first is uh, what has been something that has been surprising to you throughout this journey? Uh, something you did not expect that's a side benefit, or uh, maybe it's something negative that you learned from, but something surprising along the way, like that was a lesson for you as you built this team up. Learning more from outside the industry than inside the industry and going the exact opposite of the industry. So when you look at our business, we've simplified it more than probably any other sports team in the country. And here's why. When you look at every sports team, they drive revenue from sponsorship. They drive revenue from events at the stadium. They drive revenue from TV rights. They drive revenue from camps and little leagues and all. They drive so many forms of revenue that they're focused on doing so many different things. In 2020, two weeks before the pandemic, we eliminated all sponsorship and advertising from our stadium. So we eliminated every single ad from our ballpark. Well, rough, rough, rough percentages. What, what did that do for you guys for like uh, hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars, um, hundreds of thousands of dollars, but it was probably only 10 to 15% of our business. Eliminated that. All right. 2019, the year before, we eliminated events from our stadium, haunted stadiums, uh, beer festivals, uh, races, concerts. We had, you know, John Party and Kane Brown and Luke Combs. We had all these eliminate that for a stadium. That's the dumbest thing in the world. You have a stadium, do events. What? Sell advertising. You got all that space. Sell right. We eliminated that. All right. We went all in on trying to create the greatest show possible and the greatest entertainment experience. Do we have lots of ticket options? Nope. One. All you can eat. One ticket. You come into Savannah. It's all inclusive. All your hot dogs, burgers, chicken sandwiches, soda, water, popcorn, dessert. One ticket we sell. That's it. No ticket fees, no convenient fees. We even pay your taxes at the stadium, which is crazy. And now it's more money than I could ever imagine. We eliminated all that. And we focused on the show, getting the show better and better and better. And by doing that, we never sold. So right now, we don't have any salespeople. We have ticket people, that a great ticket team that takes the inbound. We don't do sales. We spend $0 on marketing, $0 on outbound sales but we spend everything on the experience of trying to create the most fans first experience. So what that's happened, all of our content is now all about us having fun. Mentioned YouTube, TikTok. We have 3 million more followers than any major league baseball team. It's crazy. And so we put all videos of us having fun, not selling. And so what's happened, go back from 2020 to now, our <laughs> merchandise is 25 times what we did in sponsorship. 25 times. So it's actually, it's actually bottom line more than a lot of major league teams, which is crazy, but I don't focus on revenue. I don't focus on sales. A president shared that with me. It's because I focus on creating the greatest show and greatest fan and, and, and doing what's best for fans. And so I think one of the best things for business is, is to have the audacity to go so against what everyone else is doing and throw away short-term dollars to create long-term fans. 
And if you really want to make a big difference in your industry, in the, in the business world, you have to go against the grain. You have to challenge the status quo and you have to find your niche of what you believe you can be the best in the world at. Don't be another me too, a little bit better, a little bit faster, a little bit cheaper. Be the only. And that's why now I think people are saying, oh, it's an overnight success. Well, it just took us many years to find what we could be the only at. Yeah. Oh, man. So as we start to close this thing out, um, this has been fantastic. I know you've done you know, you're going to end up doing 10,000 interviews by the time your career is done, I'm sure, if not more. You're going to have your own country named, <laughs> named after Savannah Bananas or something. Yeah. So thank you for taking time. Time is inelastic and non-renewable and you spent some time with us and it's bringing value to people. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So if you wouldn't mind, I would love for you to close us out. Uh, what would you want to leave the listeners with? <laughs> well, I've talked about uh, a lot of things, but in the back of our fans first playbook, it says, be patient in what you want for yourself, but be impatient in how much you give to others. And so as crazy as that is, that's led everything with fans first. So if you have that mindset with your company, but then with your personal, think about, I've talked about how to create fans and all that, but think about one thing. Everyone talks about, you got to do what you love. You got to do what gives you passion. I challenge you, do what gives you energy. Do what gives you energy. Create your own energy list. Look at your calendar, look at your schedule. And if you're looking at your schedule and you're like, oh, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. Find a way to do things every day that gives you energy and you'll be the best for yourself, the best for your family, the best for your business. And I do energy audits almost every day on my schedule. And so like today, I love being with you. I've never had an interview with someone dressed up like a bunny. You gave me energy, my friend. <laughs> and so I could be my best for you and best for the listeners. And I'll go into my next call, my next meeting with that same type of energy. So if everyone focuses on how do you give more to others, but then also do things that fire you up and give you energy, uh, you can be unstoppable. Man, Jesse, thank you so much. I'm going to honor the time. We're going to end it here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to be watching. I'm going to put all kinds of uh, links to, to your books and the bananas and all of that in the show notes. But more than that, the value. Thank you so much for being here and for living this stuff out. Really appreciate it. A lot of fun, man. Appreciate you. All right, takeaways and action items. First of all, the takeaways. Look at what others are doing. Do the opposite. Two, there's no such thing as an overnight success. Not even Justin Bieber. Number three, creativity, inspiration, and fun have incalculable worth. Action items. First of all, find what gives you energy. Do more of that. All right, so that sounds easy, but how do I actually do that? It might mean hiring someone to do the energy depleting tasks, somebody that's wired differently than you. Or it might mean paving your own path to the energy giving tasks. Specifically what I mean is if the role that you're in sucks the life out of you, it might take you a long time to make a path to get to the energy giving activities. Now, you might be saying there, how do I do that? Create value. Solve a problem for your boss. Be bold, go for it, but you're gonna have to be persistent. Second action item, sacrifice non-essentials in the short term for long-term focused success in the most important things. Remember, Jesse got rid of all concerts at a ballpark and all sponsorships for a baseball team that shouldn't be making any money in order to focus on the greatest show in sports and it it had huge, paid off huge dividends for that. So again, number two, sacrifice non-essentials in the short term for long-term focused success in the most important things. 
And the last action item, find inspiration. Jesse's books or our resilient leadership event on February 9th. Both links are in the show notes. Don't think too much about it. Take action. You're losing time. Last reminder, scroll down to see the links in the show notes. I've put several things there, including a link to Jesse's books and our event on February 9th, Resilient Leadership. You got to get there. Free ideas and connections are there to keep you going. And if you thought of someone during this episode, please, please, please send it to them with a note of encouragement. Or if you want to post something on social media, don't forget to tag the impact of leadership. We love engaging with you that way. Now we have over 100 other episodes that will aid in your growth as a leader. Follow or subscribe in whatever platform you're using to have access to all of them. And as a reminder, don't forget to check the show notes. We put specific links in there to aid in your growth because we care about you and are rooting for you. Well, I can't wait to be with you all again soon, but until then, from all of us at the Impact of Leadership, thanks for listening.